you don't have to always do things the way you've done them. When we started growing garlic to sell at our local fall festival, we would naturally keep track of the different varieties because that's what we'd always done as farmers, was sell garlic as different varieties, because it was. And as we tried to max out the amount of sales of garlic that we were getting, this was back when we had kind of unlimited space to grow it, we figured that if somebody was going to buy a head of garlic of one type, they might naturally want to buy a head of garlic of a different type. And if we had five types, they might buy a head of garlic of each one, and then we're selling five times as much. To a certain extent, this proved true, but it also became kind of a moot point because when we moved to our new house, we had a relatively limited amount of space that we could grow garlic on. And after a couple of years of struggling to figure out how to do it well at a new place, we recognized that we were trying to cram in the old amount of garlic into the new space. And we needed to back off how much we were growing. <clears throat> so we backed off and instead of 1200 head of garlic, we now grow 800 head of garlic. And it turns out that that leaves us 650 head of garlic to sell at this event. And it turns out that we sell that in the first day and a half. And we always sell out. And so it became less and less important, or it, it sort of immediately became less important, to do all the tricks. And one of the most onerous tricks was growing different varieties with the idea that psychologically we're going to get people who will want to test a couple heads of each variety. And so last year, for the first time, I decided to mix all of my seed garlic together. It had been a real drag to keep everything labeled and sorted over the years. And there were times when I had sort of a mystery bunch that fell off and the tag came off and I didn't know what it was and it was just a drag and some varieties would get better over time some varieties would get worse over time um, for reasons I couldn't quite explain and so it felt like a big relief to let go of this need to be the person who has five varieties of garlic I think at first it helped that we winnowed down at first from, I think at our max we had seven varieties of garlic. And then I winnowed it down to three. And decided it just wasn't worth it, you know, adding more and more complexity. And what a relief it was last year to just mix it all together, choose the best heads, and plant those. And this year we're just going to sell garlic. Somebody asks, I'm going to say it's a mix of these three types. I don't know what they are, but they're, you know, relatively similar. And it, what's funny is that I spent years touting the differences, the small differences, to some extent, tongue-in-cheek. Like, we even made um, sort of tongue-in-cheek description cards of them where we did a taste testing of them and came up with tasting notes like you would for wine or chocolate and printed them out. And some people 
thought they were hilarious, and some people thought that we were being dead serious and took them seriously, which was also hilarious. But the truth was that these varieties of garlic were all basically similar, interchangeable. I wouldn't hesitate to use any one of them in a garlic situation. They were all sort of standard garlic, robust flavor type garlic. And so kind of a relief to to say, you know, they're all kind of the same. And what a relief to just grow one and to bring that simplicity back. Because it's easy in life to make things more complicated. It's easy as you go along to add things that you do. It's easy to make things more and more complex. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes complexity provides stability against uncertainty, right? I think it's good if you're a gardener or especially if you're a farmer to grow a whole bunch of different things. It's good ecologically. It's good um, in terms of hedging your bets against any one thing not working out. But there's also a great deal of human value in keeping things as simple as possible. And so you need to decide what area of complexity is important to you and you get benefit from and what area you have made more complex over time almost thoughtlessly and could simplify with real benefit. Garlic for me is probably the best example. Um, but for instance, I can feel complexity creeping into my new shop and I keep stripping it back and stripping it back. I can feel the complexity of, oh, you know, I could just put this thing in this drawer. This could live up here now. And I have to keep pulling it back and say, no, that's, that's not the function of this space. Um, is not to do that. And I'm going to pull it all back. Like, for instance, the other day I was thinking about putting up little display shelves so that I could put my spoons that are ready to go, sort of, so that they're leaning up against the wall. And I immediately thought to myself, that's going to get covered with knickknacks. Because that's exactly what it is. Like a little narrow shelf like that is what you put the little random thing on that you don't know where it belongs or the thing that, you know, is cool but has no purpose put it on that shelf. And to some people, that is uh, good. But I really like how stripped back the space is. I mean, my carving space has been stripped back for years now because I worked in sort of semi-outdoor spaces. But even then, stuff accrues, you know? Tools accrue. Supplies accrue. And you can come up with more and more clever ways to store stuff. But it's not going to have the same fundamental feel as if you just aren't storing that stuff in the first place. And in my own life, I know that I don't always see the ways in which I've made my life complex, needlessly complex, but when I can see it and do something about it, I immediately feel the effect of making things simple again. <laughs>
Thanks for listening, guys. Talk tomorrow.